As you know, it's important to me that the supplements I recommend and use are of the highest quality. That's why I stock the Protocol for Life Balance product line at my online dispensary. Protocol for Life Balance offers a wide range of professional-grade products using ingredients backed by strong scientific research. Among them, several stand out for their support of aging healthfully, PQQ, glutathione, and alpha-lipoic acid. PQQ helps support your heart and brain function and promotes robust cellular energy production. Glutathione supports proper cellular detoxification and healthy immune function, and alpha-lipoic acid helps maintain your neural health and helps preserve optimal blood flow. Each of these products takes its own unique approach to neutralizing free radicals and protecting us from oxidative stress as we age. They're only available from healthcare practitioners, but they're available to you at drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. That's drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance for more information and to order. Welcome to Intelligent Medicine. I'm your host, Layla Mutin. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist. I weigh in here on a weekly basis on your questions, topics of interest, and information I am compelled to bring you. So thank you for downloading these podcasts. And if you'd like to subscribe to the newsletter, go to drhoffman.com. That's drhoffman.com. And subscribe. If you'd like to email me with questions or topics of interest, you may do so to radio program at AOL.com. That's radio program at AOL.com. Now, for those of you who recently listened to this podcast, I did one on uh, back in March, towards the end of March, I think it was the 25th where I talked about uh, alcohol and that one alcoholic drink a day is linked with reduced brain size. So the link actually grew stronger, the level of alcohol consumption. So let me just give you a little recap They looked at uh, 50-year-olds as average drinking among individuals increases from one alcohol unit, about a half a beer, a day to two units, which is a pint of beer or a glass of wine. So the increase from one alcohol unit, the increase from a half a beer to a pint of beer or a glass of wine there were associated changes in the brain equivalent to aging two years and then going from two to three alcohol units at the same age was like aging three and a half years. And this was from the journal Nature Communications. Now, since this podcast that I weighed in on, I got a question from Marianne. Hi, Layla. Thank you for the important information on alcohol consumption and brain health. How long were the people in the study drinking these quantities that shrunk their brains? 
And I was wondering if you had any information on how soon brain size could improve if a person cut back. What if adults are already in their late adulthood? Is it too late to improve or are we just looking to not do any more damage? So the first question, how long were the people in the study drinking these quantities that shrunk their brains? And I'll tell you, the volunteer participants in the biobank, that's where the information was accessed, had responded to survey questions about their alcohol consumption levels from complete abstention to an average of four or more alcohol units a day. And when the researchers group the participants by average consumption levels, a small but apparent pattern emerged that the gray and white matter volume that might otherwise be predicted by the individual's other characteristics was reduced. So going from zero to one alcohol unit didn't make much of a difference in brain volume, but going from one to two or two to three units a day was associated with reductions in both gray and white matter. When I go directly to the study, they talk about a limitation in this study, and let me read it to you. A limitation stems from the self-reported alcohol intake measures in the UK Biobank, which cover only the year prior to participation. Such estimates may not adequately reflect drinking prior to the past year and are susceptible to reporting and recall bias. So Marianne, we don't know. The study does not know how long were the people in the study drinking because they only covered the prior year in their survey. I'll read that again. The limitation stems in this study, the limitation stems from the self-reported alcohol intake measures in the UK biobank, which cover only the year prior to participation. And such estimates may not adequately reflect drinking prior to the past year and are susceptible to reporting and recall bias. And further, the researchers say, our analyses do not note for individuals with a past diagnosis of alcohol use disorder, meaning drinking a lot. That was, that's what alcohol use disorder means, like binge drinking, drinking too much. Earlier studies have shown that the brain shows some recovery with the cessation of drinking in individuals with alcohol use disorder, but this varies with age and sex, and recovery might be incomplete. Thus, a past diagnosis of alcohol use disorder would likely influence our results, say the researchers of the study. We hope future studies will shed light on how a history of alcohol use disorder with prolonged recovery is associated with brain structure in middle-aged and older adults. Moreover, partial volume effects, and they go into things like the cerebrospinal fluid 
and tissue characterizations and microstructural estimates. I don't need to bore you with all of that because it can get quite dry. This is, this is what needs more investigation. So, and there will also be recall bias on any self-reported survey information that's taken. So because it was only covered for the past year, Marianne, we don't know how long uh, were the people in the study drinking these quantities that shrunk their brains. But they will be doing further research on recovery. And I will stay on top of that to see what becomes of that because it's very interesting. I've heard from several of you regarding this study. And again, for those of you uh, who want to go back and listen to that podcast, I originally did that for March 25th. This is Dr. Ronald Hoffman. As you know, I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system. I've found that it helps people relax and can support restful sleep, a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand that I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences, which is now proud to introduce the Plus CBD Reserve Collection, a specially curated blend of full-spectrum cannabinoids. Rich and bold, the Reserve Collection products elicit strong feelings of calm, comfort and relief when intense support is needed. Enjoy a deeper CBD experience with Plus CBD's reserve collection of oils and gummies. All of their products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. And with a 90-day satisfaction guarantee, you have nothing to lose. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman for Plus CBD's new reserve collection. Moving on. This is from Netscape, actually. Lights on during sleep can play havoc with metabolism. This is a really interesting study. Sleeping with a light on can play havoc with insulin levels and consequently impair the response to glucose. And this is according to a two-night sleep lab study of 20 people. This is what this study indicates. I know it's a small study, but this is really compelling. That's why I'm, I'm sharing this with you today. Quote, the most important finding is that compared to one night in a dim light environment, one night of exposure to a moderate level of room light while sleeping with eyes closed, increased heart rate and sympathetic nervous system activity during the entire sleep period. And on the morning following the moderate room light condition, a higher amount of insulin secretion required to normalize glucose levels following ingestion of a bolus of glucose in an oral glucose tolerance test consistent with higher insulin resistance. The study was out of also of Northwestern University, uh, was published March 14 in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Now, melatonin levels were similar 
under the two light conditions, which suggests that the effect of light during sleep on these cardiometabolic measures were more likely due to activation of the sympathetic nervous system and less likely due to changes in sleep or suppression of melatonin by light. So we're not talking about there wasn't enough melatonin secreted, right? Because we need complete darkness for melatonin to be secreted by the pineal gland. It was not about that. This was more about the activation of the sympathetic nervous system causing these metabolic abnormalities. So attention to avoiding exposure to light at night during sleep may be beneficial for cardiometabolic health. That's what the researchers conclude. That means turn lights off before sleeping. If a light is needed for safety reasons, keep it as dim as possible and avoid exposure to blue or green light. So how does light during sleep, how does it affect insulin, melatonin, and heart rate? Now, several studies have investigated the effect of light on sleep and metabolic outcomes. And in one study, light in the bedroom was associated with obesity in women. And in another study, it was associated with risk of type 2 diabetes in an elderly population. Wow, I can visualize the headline now. Want to lose weight? Don't want to have diabetes anymore? Turn out the lights when you sleep. So research has suggested that nighttime light exposure may alter glucose metabolism by increasing insulin resistance, lowering melatonin levels, which alters insulin secretion, and having an arousing effect on the sympathetic autonomic nervous system, meaning increasing the stress hormone cortisol or heart rate and decreasing heart rate variability. See all the havoc that light at the wrong time can wreak? Really, honestly, it's really something. However, the effect of a single night of moderate room light exposure across the entire nighttime sleep period has not been fully investigated. So they did this study. The researchers enrolled and randomized 20 healthy young adults who were 18 to 40 years old and regularly went to sleep between 9 p.m. and 1 a.m. and slept about six and a half to eight and a half hours. To, and they, they did this study to two, to two sleep nights in the sleep laboratory under two conditions. Ten participants, eight women, two men, slept in a dim light condition on night one and in a moderate light condition on night two. The other participants, the other ten participants, which were six women and four men, slept two nights 
in the dim light condition. The moderate light condition consisted of four 60-watt incandescent overhead ceiling light bulbs, which is a total of 100 lux, which is bright enough to see, but not to read comfortably. It's like the hallway light in an apartment. But the people were sleeping, so about 90% of the light <clears throat> would be blocked by the eyelids. The dim light condition was less than three lux, which is dimmer than a night light. So imagine a night light, but dimmer than that. And that was the dim light condition. When participants were awake, the room lighting was 240 lux, which is quite bright. Participants in each group were a mean age of 27 years and had a mean body mass index of 23 and 24. So they were in the normal weight category, maybe on the upper end of normal. So the week before the study, participants went to bed at 11 p.m. and slept for seven hours. And they measured this, of course. And during the laboratory stay, the participants were allowed to sleep eight hours during only which polysomnography was performed. They received standard meals at two and a half, five, and 11 hours after waking and had 30 meals to eat them. So they controlled their intake of food. Snacking or caffeine were not permitted. Participants were instructed to remain seated or standing in their room, but not exercise when they were not sleeping. So they really controlled for these, for these factors. Blood samples to determine melatonin levels were collected hourly during wake and sleep via an intravenous line. The participants slept for a similar time, around seven hours in both conditions. Although melatonin levels were similar in both conditions, this was a relatively small sample, the researchers cautioned. Again, we're talking about 20 people, right? So in the lightroom condition, participants spent proportionally more time in stage N2 sleep and less in slow wave and rapid eye movement sleep. There was no increase in sleep fragmentation or arousals. This is really, really interesting, this study. So if you don't turn the lights off, you may be creating a reason for weight gain uh, by simply stimulating the sympathetic nervous system the autonomic nervous system, which is then stimulating the excitatory part of the nervous system, which is the sympathetic, not the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the inhibitory, which is really what you want, rest and sleep. You want it to be dark. But if you sleep with the light on, this is causing dysregulation 
in glucose and insulin, much less so having anything to do with melatonin, although previous studies have shown decreases in melatonin, certainly, because melatonin does need uh, complete darkness. But aside from melatonin, they're showing a different mechanism. It's the arousal of the autonomic nervous system. It's the arousal of the sympathetic nervous system, which is the excitatory part, the arousal part, like, hey, sun coming up in the morning, we wake up when the sun is shining through the windows, right? That's the arousal part. The sympathetic nervous system is activated. But if we're sleeping with the lights on, and it doesn't have to be a bright light, it could be like your dim hallway light, but certainly not like a night light, because the uh, the other group that used the dim light used a, a dim light equivalent to, or actually less than, a night light. So they saw this dysregulation, this abnormal metabolic response. That's why I say, as a part of sleep hygiene, you must draw the blinds, close the curtains, even get blackout curtains. Shears are not enough to keep the moonlight from shining in, or if you live in an urban area, to keep the street lights or any other kind of light pollution from streaming in the windows. You want to turn that clock radio away from you. You don't want to be seeing the time in that blue, green, or red light. That's still light pollution. And with sleep hygiene, you want to make sure the room is as black as pitch. Now, do I want you to get up, trip, and fall down on your way to the bathroom? Absolutely not. So if you want to, you can keep a small nightlight in the hallway on the way to the bathroom or in the bathroom itself, right? But for your actual sleeping condition, it's lights out to keep you from developing insulin resistance, to keep from gaining weight, and to keep from getting type 2 diabetes. Lights out is important for not arousing your nervous system in a way that is causing these metabolic abnormalities when we should be sleeping restfully and peacefully. So I want to thank you for joining me on another edition of Layla Ways In here on Intelligent Medicine. Naturally occurring black pigments in vegetables, spices, and seeds have been found to have powerful anti-inflammatory effects. Black for Health liquid extract from Future Farm Botanicals combines the four most powerful of these plant-based foods, black garlic, black radish root, black peppercorn, and black cumin seed. It's an all-natural daily preventative against a host of possibly inflammatory issues. Black for Health supports your liver, skin, cholesterol, blood pressure, circulation, and immunity. It's a delicious tasting supplement with liposome complex for optimal absorption. For more information and to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's my future. P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. And while supplies last, buy two bottles of Black for Health and get two bottles of Wild Oil of Oregano free. That's a $55 value just for listening to Intelligent Medicine. Myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. This is Layla Mutin, RD. I see patients regularly along with Dr. Hoffman. 
If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.